Welcome to the Data for Betterment podcast, Reimagine Hybrid Work, with your host, Maribel Lopez. Maribel is the founder of the Data for Betterment Foundation and Lopez Research. The Data for Betterment Foundation is a nonprofit organization that helps individuals understand and prepare for how their career will change as companies embrace new technologies. Lopez Research, a market research and strategy consulting firm, helps companies understand how technologies such as connected devices, collaboration, cloud computing, and AI change the customer and employee experience. The firm's clients range from startups to global corporations, including 10 of the Fortune 30. She's also the author of the highly regarded business book on how those technologies are transforming the company, employee, and customer experience, Right Time Experiences, published by Wiley. She's also a frequent public speaker at corporate events and contributor at Forbes.com. Maribel is currently researching and writing her next book on how to build successful strategies for workplace transformation. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. I am thrilled once again to be joined by a good friend of mine that I've known a long time, and this is Chris Bouchy. Chris, welcome to the program. Chris and I have, I don't even want to say how many years ago, we used to share an office and work together, and we've been following each other's careers and uh, following very similar paths in a lot of ways. So Chris, welcome to the show. Tell us who you are and what you do. Oh, thank you, Maribel. I am honored to be here. So thrilled to be with you. And, you know, and for your audience, you know, I, I, you know, I'd be remiss in talking about, I mean, it's kind of hard to talk about yourself, but, you know, having worked with Maribel for, for many years, you know, she's both a, you know, a great friend, but someone I respect very deeply. And she actually garners the respect of a lot of people, you know, throughout the industry, anyone she engages with. It's, uh, it's always uh, uh, incredible to be in the room. You know, just with the kinds of insights and everything that you always bring to the table. Okay, and, enough about me. More about you. <laughs> so, uh, hi everyone, uh, Chris Vochi. I help lead an advisory and research practice at Citrix, and it's, you know, for our uh, executive teams that are customers, focused on helping them through their transformations. You know, ideally to be more experience driven. You know, and so a lot of my work is pretty heavily focused on helping customers create a thriving employee experience. You know, and just for you know the audience, you know, Citrix is pretty well known for delivering uh, virtual applications and desktops to millions of people around the world. But you know, increasingly, you know, over the years, we've grown to build more of a digital workspace. You know, doing a lot more for customers and helping people with progress. And you know, workspace acts as a you know employee-facing digital hub for accessing a lot of the content and applications and workflows that companies might use. So you know, bringing you know virtual hosted. SaaS applications together with single sign-on. And, you know, we recently acquired Rike, which is an incredible collaborative work management platform. And, you know, we could talk a lot about that, but that's not the focus of today. So speaking of the focus today, I know that, you know, one of the things that we've been working on at Lopez Research is a dialogue about how to create good customer experiences you need good employee experiences. And I think that for a long time, that topic really didn't land with organizations. But right now, as everybody's reimagining the office and the workplace and the tools, employee experience is definitely at the forefront. And I know that you actually were looking at some research given your role in employee experience, because do you tell us a little bit about the research and why you decided to go down this path? 
Yeah, certainly. And, you know, I, you know, I think the work that you've been doing both with the podcast and outside this and, you know, you know, better understanding and helping organize, uh, you know, organizations embrace hybrid work is just so critical and important. And so the focus of this research was, you know, pretty squarely focused on helping customers develop more effective hybrid work strategies, but specifically better understanding employee experience and the role of EX, you know, for short, you know, in that. So very specifically, we wanted to determine, you know, okay, what are the activities and the behaviors that set advanced organizations apart? So changing the conversation, as you and I talked about, you know, from like kind of hand-waving, oh, this is important and you should do this. And, you know, from the show and, you know, you, you, you really have to, to, okay, what exactly can you do? And, you know, the, you know, as I said, this was about determining those activities and behaviors that set those that are uh, advanced and doing great work apart from those, you know, that aren't doing as well. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's really about being more prescriptive and giving, being able to give some more actionable advice and strategy. So it sounds like from this, there's, you've, you've come up with some principles or values or actions or other things that separate those that are being successful from those that aren't. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you've uncovered in that? Yeah, certainly. And so, you know, just as the backdrop for this, you know, this is both a quantitative study and qualitative. So, you know, spoke with 800 HR, IT, real estate leaders around the world across several industries. Wow. Spoke with uh, EX-focused executives about their practices and strategy, you know, had the opportunity to speak with a lot of really brilliant people, you know, from some of the brands that are part of our lives every day and just doing some amazing work. And, you know, what we did, you know, one of the things that, you know, quickly became important in that research was, you know, as he said, identifying or what we uncovered was that there was a common set of principles that we saw in a lot of the organizations that were really doing some impressive things. And, you know, we can spend a little bit of time talking about them individually, but, you know, we're going to talk about empowering individual progress and, you know, what that means and why that's important. Uh, deepening or building empathy from some, you know, human insights, you know, so, you know, empathy is always a very, it's getting a lot of airtime, you know, and that becomes, uh, well, it's something that really sets organizations apart, those that really embrace and deepen, deepen their empathy. And then finally, you know, partnership. And, you know, how do I partner effectively internally across my organization to foster linked and shared ownership over employee experience? So I think the word, you know, a lot of these words have been used before. Uh, there might be a different take on them now. But when we think about empowerment, what are we trying to say to executives that, you know, you need to empower your employees? What does that mean? Yeah. And, you know, the, the, the other important word there, you're right, is empowerment and also progress. And, you know, here's, you know, I think one of the big, you know, changes I think we've all been kind of seeing and it's really based in cognitive science and, you know, over the years, you know, working, you know, with a lot of uh, just listening to a lot of, you know, brilliant people, you know, I take a look at someone like Teresa Mobley's work. Um, you know, she wrote the progress principle. And one of the coolest things that she uncovered was she looked about at 12,000 accounts of people's daily journeys at work. And, you know, the goal of her research was saying, okay, how do we, you know, create the conditions for engagement uh, within the workforce? And 
the most important insight out of that was, you know, outstripping pay, perks, bonuses, you know, all those extrinsic things that are like, oh gosh, there's a reason why we all go to work. I mean, we got to get paid and, you know, you know, take care of families <laughs> ourselves and do fun yeah. things. And, and then, and that's all important, but it turns out it's not the most important thing. And what she uncovered was that what was really, you know, separated the, you know, people from having their greatest days at work and the not greatest days at work were, were they making progress every day? You know, were they, you know, getting past obstacles, getting things done? And, you know, these are themes that we hear consistently. And it's actually rooted in a lot of, you know, important and cognitive uh, research from like Mihaly Sesemia, you know, Daniel Pink wrote about it in Drive and Stefan Falk. There have been a lot of people who have been doing some incredible research here. But the, the most important thing that collectively they uncovered is that, hey, you know, it really matters helping people, you know, get things done. And here's the pivot for companies is, you know, there's an important discussion about value in experience. And, you know, I think the theme or, you know, the, the mode that people get dragged into is, okay, I need to create engaged, you know, engaged workforce, and then they're going to be more productive. And you almost have to spin that around a little bit and say, hey, I have to help people be productive so that they can be engaged. And, you know, th this is where the relationship between employee experience and engagement comes in. You know, engaged employees deliver better customer experiences. They're less likely to leave. You know, they, you know, they start to dip into discretionary effort and do things outside their normal roles to help the business. And that's what engaged employees do. Engagement is the outcome of a continued positive employee experience. And one of the most important components in that experience, that daily journey of employees, are they getting stuff done? So that's when we talk about empowering individual progress. That's where the, the kind of the criticality and a little bit of the pivot and the change in mindset. I'm not just trying to make people happy, you know, by giving them perks and, you know, doing cool stuff for them. I'm trying to help them make progress. Yeah. And I've been, I've been working on this the name productivity or, or the, the word productivity. It's interesting because sometimes I think we're all sitting around in this uh, post-COVID world thinking or almost post-COVID world thinking, God, you know, we've been super productive for a long time and, and yeah. we're, even, we're more productive than we ever have been. But I think the, the nuance that you're trying to get at that's been difficult for some time is that people, you need to reduce the friction for how people do their jobs, right? Absolutely. It's easier for them to have access to the right information at the right time. You know, I, I used to call this right time. I still do call it right time experiences, you know, right information, right person, right time on their device of choice, right? And I think that's what you're getting at. It's like, if you have that, then they can be more productive and then they're more engaged. And then the question is, um, I think we're, we're also moving from the concept of productivity to impact, right? Yeah. And I think that gets back to your engagement. It's like when, when people um, have the right tools and the right information, they can do what they need to do. And then they can start focusing more on impact for the business instead of like, how do I do this? How, what are the five or six apps I need? And where's the data and all these different things? And so I absolutely agree that there's a, there's a productivity uh, angle to it. And I've just been working through like, well, what's the right term for us to use now? Cause I feel like people are burnt out on the productivity concept. I know it, it is a real 
I, I agree. You know, productivity, because it also garners a lot of, you know, depending on who you're talking to, you know, they're going to bring different mindsets to it. You know, sometimes it's, you know, some of the traditional, like I need to, you know, increase the productivity of the work, you know, almost like, you know, we're all you know, in a factory and, you know, trying to raise the productivity of the, you know, right. it, you know, the, it garners a lot of different feelings from people. And, you know, there is a cog in the wheel. (laughs) Exactly. There's something different that, you know, that, you know, uh, there's something different that we're talking about here. And uh, I mean, this is important. I mean, in the change for IT is, you know, and I think the mindset shift is we have this outsized impact on people's ability to get work done or not every day, you know, whether it be like helping them, you know, you know, you think about their daily, you know, I'm, I'm kind of moving my hand almost like this, you know, like a, a graph of somebody's productivity, you know, like they're trying to navigate a huge application, just a file of, you know, stinking expense report, but I can't find, or maybe I can't <laughs> find data or I receive an urgent chat from somebody who needs something. And that's knocking me, you know, I'm, while I'm trying to create a presentation or write a document uh, for a lot of us, you know, kids are swinging, swinging into the room, you know, sometimes, <laughs> you know, because something's really important going on with them. But, um, you know, just back to the technology, you know, maybe I'm trying to access a, a remote application and it slows or my VPN crashes again, uh, or I'm logged out of all my applications. I got to keep logging. I mean, there are so many of these moments throughout the day that, you know, either enhance our ability to get work done or more often detract from our ability to focus on what's most important. Yeah. I think you also brought something up in the empathy that we were talking about there. And I think one of the great things that's happened is that we are more empathetic. Mm-hmm. You know, we understand that people have families, they have lives, they're trying to balance things. And I think that's been one of the good things that's come out of it. Uh, okay. So, if we've got a couple of overarching principles, are there certain actions or other things that help people to get started? Yeah. You know, I think, you know, you know, just to set up the the actions to, you know, just tacking a little bit more about empathy. And because I think there was some very cool data that came uh, out of it. Um, so, you know, I talked about some of the, hey, we we're looking at some of the behaviors and practices and, uh, you know, in the quantitative data, you know, we actually create a little bit of an index so we could start to compare, oh, okay, what were the advanced organizations doing versus the less advanced or the the laggards or the learners? And you always got to, I actually, you know, not being in the analyst world anymore, you could actually be a little bit more careful about your pejoratives because people were like, those are our customers. You can't use laggards. Can you? <laughs> but, Nobody wants to be called a laggard. It's just not nice. <laughs> but it's easier for you to call <laughs> than it is a vendor. But some very important data here is, you know, of course, you know, when we compared the learners versus the leaders or the advanced organizations, you didn't see, you know, at the base of it. Um, okay. So your advanced organizations are doing this more than the learners, you know, having organizational shared values and norms or actively promoting, you know, culture, uh, you know, and values, you know, some foundational things. So you're, Advanced organizations, they're doing it more than the laggards or the learners. But then you started to see another kind of tier of activities. And this is where you started to see those two separate. And so the 
the um, this is where the leaders were doing these things, you know, starting to get, you know, doing this far more often, you know, than the, than the learners. And this was a set of operational things like, uh, are they, you know, more uh, focused on having best practices that managers and lead leaders can take on? Are they utilizing KPIs, starting to quantify employee experience in financial terms or measuring and scenting uh, for, you know, EX outcomes? And those were so, uh, you know, operational. But where the data really got cool is the things that rose to the top. So these are the behaviors and activities that the advanced organizations were doing by about 65 percentage points more. So in other words, if 20% of my learners were doing this, 85, 90% of my advanced organizations were doing these things. And these advanced organizations were so far more likely to be doing the set of human-centric empathy driven activities and that's what really set them apart so that means you know they're thinking about you know very you know about advanced employee personas and segmentation they're doing journey mapping you know and that's not just you know thinking about the entire life cycle of an employee of an organization they're kind of zooming in to the day-to-day -day tasks they're taking on and doing things like in integrating design thinking they're managing they're, they're measuring and analyzing experience with devices and applications to improve experience so that's what that human-centric set of activities would, is what really set the advanced organizations apart hey chris for those that might not be so familiar with the concept of design thinking could you just give like a little description for them yeah, absolutely. So, you know, design thinking uh, is a methodology born out of, you can think of it as a methodology, and it's an empathy-driven creative process, iterative in nature, and it's really about thinking outside the box, you know, developing empathy, you know, you know, bridging to solution, you know, rather than jumping to solutions like we often do, kind of reframing the problem. It could be a whole podcast in itself. And actually, it's you know, done a lot of exciting work about, okay, how do we take design thinking and, you know, developing empathy and building more iterative uh, processes into IT, you know, into IT and thinking about those in terms of employee experience? I actually had a couple of opportunities to go to a few design thinking workshops, and they were fascinating, just even to see how different people think. You know, one of our exercises was um, to design a vase for someone that doesn't have a lot of time to water plants. And that was fascinating to see all the different ways that people came up with these things. And it was really cool. So I love that. You know, actually I've got a little a related anecdote. So we do workshops with our customers and we have done this like taste of design thinking. And you know, what you described is like called the, the wallet exercise. Uh, and there are different versions that you design the ideal, you know, something for your partner. And, you know, you do it first and you might have some assumptions about what you might think they like. And then you can go through exercises to better understand them. And then you, you know, create little prototypes and test the solutions. And I think, you know, while we're on the topic of empathy and hybrid work, one of the best outcomes, you know, that really kind of moved, you know, moved me personally was with one of our customers. They came back and said, hey, you know, our staff really loved that exercise. And, you know, we're thinking about, you know, how we might apply it internally. She's like, but you might love this, you know, story. The spouse of one of the people in the workshop was overhearing what was going on. And they had a special needs child at home. And so, you know, this is mid pandemic and, you know, they, you know, the spouse actually went 
to, you know, the leader of the IT organization said, Hey, you know, my, you know, my spouse is, you know, I heard them, you know, heard her taking part in this, you know, we have a child with special needs at home and she's struggling, you know, times to just, you know, even get up from the desk and they have to do things like, you know, help their child use the bathroom and, you know, manage work. And you know, what really make the difference for us is just, you know, having like a tablet. And, you know, sure enough, you know, the business actually took and, you know, gave this person a tablet and it just gave them a little bit more flexibility at home, you know, kind of take care of what was going on at home and still allowing them to, you know, kind of bring themselves to work. Interesting. That's, it's fascinating that we could talk about this part all day, but I don't want to detract from, you know, I think that you were just going down the path of saying that the people that are focusing on these types of attributes for their employees are really accelerating quite rapidly. Were there other things that you learned? Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, I think who, you, you could dive in, you know, for a long time and also, uh, on, uh, on any of these, but the other principle was, you know, as we talked about was about partnership and that, that can feel like a throwaway, but, um, you know, like, you know, you must part, you know, bust the silo. I mean, how many, you know, research reports have we written? Like you must bust the silos and, you know, collaborate and, you know, do their, well, like, of course you should do those things. But w- w- what we did see was, and what we tried to uncover is exactly, okay, how can you start to partner more effectively? Cause the, the, the fact of the matter was the, Advanced organizations were three times more likely to have HR, IT, and real estate working together in a substantial way. By that, I mean having like uh, shared KPIs and processes and engagement amongst those roles. They were three times more likely. Uh, the advanced organizations, I should say, were uh, three times more likely to be you know, having that going on than the learners. You know, but those three principles around progress, empathy, and partnership set up the uh, some of the actions in the research. Yeah, that makes total sense. Well, we're coming close to the end of time, and I know that this is such a great wealth of research. We might have to dig back in with you again, but I was wondering if you could leave a couple of thoughts on the actions that people should be looking at. Yeah, certainly. And, you know, you know, I'm sure in the show notes, we can, you know, leave a link, you know, to the actual research. But if you go to uh, citrix.com and under field work, there is, you know, look to employee experience, um, you know, you'll, you'll find uh, there's, you know, thrive with employee experience and they can actually get to the research itself. You know, but we looked and said, okay, you know, how do you apply these principles to some of the, you know, different levers or different components of a company's operating model? So uh, around, you know, culture, technology, governance, you know, of how I think about services. So, you know, maybe, you know, even just focusing on something like governance, you know, a brilliant you know, woman I'd work with uh, at top three financial services organization, they actually built experience into, you know, IT governance. So you think about, you know, traditional IT governance process and, you know, you have, you know, a series of gates, you know, before, you know, for, you know, major changes or ads in an organization and they actually introduced uh, experience or EX as a gate. And so she was now a gate in an IT and it started to drive a lot of the um, you know, change. And, you know, so she would ask questions like, did you talk to employees about this? How did you test it? And, you know, really kind of push, you know, individuals for, you know, were they, you know, were they starting to um, 
what kind of activities were they doing to deliver these more effectively with more empathy and, you know, you know, kind of taking in some of the things that we've been talking about so far. And that was very effective and they started to see, you know, uh, a lot of improvement. But I think what was very cool about what they were doing or the outcome of what they were doing was the cultural change that actually happened. She said, you know what? People knew they were going to have to come, you know, to me and experience became like a deeper part of the way the IT organization, you know, was running. And so it had a pretty profound impact, not just on the individual services and things they were doing, but say on the actual culture of the organization. I, I love this, this idea because it's the whole concept of it's very difficult to retrofit something. So if you're not putting in an employee experience at the beginning, it's really hard to add at the end. Just the way they say in technology, if you're not putting security in at the beginning, it's hard to add later. So I like this notion of, you know, pulling it into the front because I think that's where it needs to be at. And, you know, a while ago, um, you know, we were talking about design thinking, but, you know, you and I both remember when uh, when we were moving into mobile apps and it was popular to do a day in the life because mm-hmm. you really needed to see how people were going to use the technology in the field to get a sense of the frustration of what it would be like if you were trying to do something on a small mobile form factor and you had an app that was never designed for that. So I think we're going through another, we're going through another iteration of that only instead of it being with a small subset of your apps, it's thinking about everything in your organization. And that's, that's pretty exciting. It's pretty terrifying, but it's pretty powerful all at the same time. Yeah. You know, just on the, uh, on the topic of your, your absolute, and that's a, it was a great way to punctuate that, you know, perhaps another action is, you know, on, you know, think rethinking how we deliver services. And, you know, the big action there was developing, you know, what, what, uh, you know, many call like more of a closed loop uh, listening strategy or thinking about it in terms of a triage of layers or like, so, okay, you know, what does it mean to actually listen to employees more effectively? Well, it, you know, it turns out there, you, know, you can start to identify some steps. So like, am I capturing top level signal from, you know, annual or asynchronous benchmark uh, surveys or pulse surveys? You know, and that's where you start to say, okay, you know, where's the heat? You know, where might have an issue? You know, then you move into refinement, you know, so like based on what you find, you know, deploying, you know, some subsequent methods to dig deeper. You know, sometimes there are different, uh, you know, focus groups or panels. There's actually a lot of digital platforms that you can use to help, uh, you know, refine some of those. So you can start to distill, okay, where actually is the issue you know if there's an issue with collaboration or communication is it within people internally or is it with customers what, what, what's going on here you know so it's top level signal then refinement and then you get into more like a validation and prioritization you know so okay let's test you know some of the possible solutions you know, actually get people's feedback to help us you know we can't do everything what's the, the most important thing you know where can we get the most bang for our buck you know and so you know companies do things like send the lists back to employees and ask them to prioritize okay what would be most impactful and then of course you know that that that, that closing the loop is getting the feedback and so that they can, can kind of make this continuous and refine and shape those solutions Makes total sense. So in the last uh, few minutes we have left, could you give us a few pieces of advice for the audience? Absolutely. I, you know, I think the, probably the number one thing is, you know, just where you start. And I think there are a lot of, you know, we developed an assessment, you know, as part of the research, but, you know, the very, you know, 
wise EX leader spoke to in, uh, actually, I, he was in Singapore. And, you know, it, you know, he uh, emphasized, hey, you know, before you know where you're going, wherever, you know, just it, it's kind of the old, hey, wherever you're going, you got to know where you are first. And that's, you know, developing some sort of assessment and, and really getting some like a mirror back into your organization. Exactly. Where are we? Let's be accountable for where are areas that we need to develop? Because uh, I certainly, you know, in my research, I have yet to come across uh, an organization who is somehow delivering the perfect employee experience all the time. I mean, these journeys are very, you know, different for every organization. It's really hard to know where you need to make improvements or what needs to change until you actually kind of take that first step uh, and have an assessment. And there are a lot of different ways to do that out there today. I, I think that's fabulous advice. You know where you are so you can know where you need to go. That's perfect. Chris Fauci, it's been a pleasure as always. And I look forward to spending more time digging into the research. I did read it, but I think it takes a little time to really internalize it and go back and figure out what we should all be doing about it. So Thanks again. Thank you. And it's an ongoing story. Uh, Maribel, it's always a pleasure talking to you. Uh, thank you very much. 